Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's New World Kirtan podcast. It's Monday, July 1st, 2013. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I host and produce the show as an act of love and service to our Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Mike Cohen, he's a great guy and a good friend. He's also becoming an invaluable resource, not only for upcoming kirtan wallas, but also for those of us who have a local kirtan community and want to play live music for them. That's a subject of interest to me. How do you perform kirtan and still have it remain a spiritual practice for you and the audience? That can be very tricky. Mike and I also talked about the growing sweet kirtan scene in the Midwest and this week's Midwest Bhakti Fest. Speaking of that, if you have a band that you'd like us to record at the festival, go take the poll and let us know. The link is at the New World Kirtan website. And discounted tickets are also available at the website. Next stop, Madison, and the live podcast from the Midwest Festival. We'll be on Facebook and Twitter, so stop by and catch the sweet breath of the Bob. Until then, my friends. Namaste. So, Mike, such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for being on the show. Kitsy, the pleasure is mine. It's great to speak with you, and uh, and I look forward to seeing you in just a few weeks at Bhakti Fest Midwest. I think that was the last time we saw each other was there. Yeah, it was. That was last year, and uh, you played a great set. That was such a sweet, sweet gathering, wasn't it? That that gathering last year with everyone, you know, from the Midwest. It was the first time. They had a kirtan festival and everybody came with their communities. I just love that. I loved it too. You know, folks are very, very sweet in the Midwest. I guess that's why they call it the heartland. And that vibe definitely carried over into uh, into Bhakti Fest Midwest. And it was really fun for me for many reasons. So one reason being that um, I love it when someone is committed to something and they uh, fulfill on that commitment. And Sridhar, as we know, the, the founder of Bhakti Fest, uh, uh, had a pivotal role in bringing some folks to Woodstock and had this vision of a spiritual Woodstock in his mind for decades and um, launched Bhakti Fest. And then um, the first year it launched, I wasn't there. I, I arrived in California the second year. Second and third year I played in California. And then this year, uh, last year at Bhakti Fest Midwest. And uh, I remember speaking with my friend Dave Stringer who was talking about this amazing festival and how we got to get it to come to the Midwest and blah, blah, blah. And then sure enough, within a few years, here it is in Madison, Wisconsin. It's just beautiful. So I love when folks have uh, amazing visions and I love it even more when I see them fulfilling on that. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was really remarkable to be there and be a part of that. Uh, and it has a completely different vibe than, than Bhakti Fest and Joshua Tree. It's equally as sweet, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely sweet in the sense of um, 
There's so much beautiful kirtan going on. It feels very relaxed to me, which is a little bit of the feeling that I get in the Midwest. Things are a little more laid back. It's a little bit more relaxed. Um, there's a lot of beautiful energy to work with, you know, when we do the, the kirtan events. Yeah. Very sweet. It's very sweet to um, see all the people whose studios I play at uh, um, around the Midwest all gathered in one place as well. from the Midwest, right? Actually, originally from Connecticut, but uh, I moved to the Midwest in uh, 1998, and I've, I've lived in the Midwest ever since. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, so you've got a pretty good, you've got a pretty good sense then of, of, um, of the growth of, of the scene in that area. It's been phenomenal because, you know, um, in, in 1997, I was in Connecticut and someone brought me to a Hare Krishna temple. And I was really drawn to the harmonium, but the entire thing was just way too weird for me. I had grown up in Connecticut and um, it was just, it was too much, you know, it was just too different. And then I moved to Colorado. I lived out there for several years. Um, literally the second night I was in Colorado, I was in my first sweat lodge um, <laughs> on the top of a mountain at about 9,000 feet. And it was <laughs> one of those, I'm not in Oz, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> kind of moments and uh, I had a number of years in Colorado and I moved to the Midwest and in 2000 I, st I did my first yoga class uh, with this uh, great teacher named Laurel uh, Hefner who lives in the Dayton Yellow Springs area in Ohio and um, we just started doing kirtan and, and I loved it and it was really fun and I'd been a professional saxophonist in my teens and 20s and I missed music and to me it was like wow this is you know this is the essence of music this is everything I loved about music and we would just do it at her yoga classes. We would do it on, on retreats. And then, you know, at one point I was like, hey, why don't we have like a, like a house party, like a potluck at my house, and we'll play some kirtan. And we just started doing that. We just did that for years. And, you know, it was just like really small, you know, 10 people, 20 people, you know. And um, there was no such thing as being a kirtan leader or even thinking about it at that time. There was just a few people out there relentlessly touring um, and thank God they were because they really planted a lot of seeds that have grown into beautiful trees. Yeah, they really have. Um, I know I just talked to Ragani earlier and she's been holding down um, the kirtan scene there for quite a long time. And then uh, Dave Stringer, you mentioned him. He's another one who just toured and toured and toured when no one knew what kirtan was. And he played in bars. He, I, I, I just think, you know, th that takes a lot it takes a lot. It's not an easy. It's not an easy thing to be a touring musician, and um, yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, Dave tours relentlessly. Pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you know, I did that for several years. For about three and a half years, I literally had no apartment and was uh, was touring around, just playing everywhere. And um, everywhere meaning, you know, from L.A. all the way up to Portland, Oregon, Colorado. Um, you know, I've been up to Minneapolis, all throughout the Midwest and all across uh, to New England and everywhere in between. I haven't been 
down south. I've been to Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado. Um, so the southern U.S. is probably the only place I haven't been. Um, but some in Canada. And yeah, it's, it's A, incredibly fun, and B, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And so I'm, I'm very thankful that I've uh, settled here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, not too far from Chicago. And um, you know, I have a beautiful house. Uh, I just celebrated one year uh, anniversary with my girlfriend. Oh, okay. that's great. That's great. Very sweet. A much more balanced life. And, uh, and you know, this last um, spring I toured uh, Minneapolis, Chicago a number of times. So basically I was mostly in Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to tour uh, around my, my regional area and just go to lots and lots and lots of places, meet lots and lots of people, and then see them all at BhaktiFest Midwest. Well, we met up in Portland. You, that must have been during the, during the phase when you were traveling around and touring, yeah? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that got me through that was uh, plopping down places every, every once in a while. And we met up in Portland when I had, um, was doing a house sit for somebody, and I was drawn there because my brother lives there and my nephew had been born. He's oh, that's right, yeah. going to be coming back to the Portland area anytime soon, or are you just hanging out in the Midwest for most of the time? Well, I'm going to um, actually uh, make a trip out to Colorado. I'm going to drive out to Colorado in, at the end of July, and I'm doing um, several days of teaching. I, As you know, I uh, launched something in 2010 called the Data Treya Kirtan Institute, but I really kept it under wraps because uh, I want to just kind of keep things quiet and, 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 and work out the kinks and really embody what I was doing, learn how to embody that. And that was, uh, what I've been doing is training Kirtan leaders. And so I've been working with folks who are just, you know, how do I turn it on with a harmonium and um, <laughs> brand, brand new. And, and the goal there is to get them leading Kirtan at the beginning and end of yoga classes and sharing it with their friends. And I work with 
folks who have been doing that for a while who really want to take it to the next level and that could mean really learning about chords and starting to have a band and taking it out to their community and learning to lead a band which is kind of a tricky thing and eventually writing their own chants and building communities and making albums and playing yes. with um, so I've been working with all these folks and um, there's a number of them out in Colorado so I'm going to go out there and we're going to do a kirtan and we're going to do a uh, couple of workshops and I'm going to work with this gal uh, whose name is Steph Schwartz who's uh, doing going going gangbusters out there. I'm going to work with her and her band um, and uh, when I'm out there I'm, I'm going to fly to uh, Portland for a week and I'll, I'll see my brother and my nephew, sister-in-law. Oh, that'll, that's that's nice. And the, and the work that you're doing with Kirtan Bands, um, I, I was on uh, uh, several of your conference calls earlier, and, and uh, we did a coaching session, And uh, because I have a band. And, you know, it's, it's funny, you, talking about harmoniums, you know, harmoniums don't come with instructions. You just, you just get your harmonium, and it's like, I, didn't, I couldn't even figure out how to open the thing up, you know? I, and... Um, so what you're doing, not only just from that really basic level, but also how do you manage the dynamics in a band? Um, that, it, that can be a challenging thing. That is a very challenging thing. <laughs> <laughs> very, very challenging. It's a little bit like, how do you herd these cats? And um, so... Uh... <laughs> how do you herd these cats? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, I've been in a lot of bands, um, it, it, mostly as as the girl singer, though. You know, I've never really I've never really managed a band before uh, until this one, and um, it's it's interesting. And just because it's a spiritual process, a spiritual band, doesn't mean that you don't run into very human problems, which you pointed out to me just so beautifully. Well, you know, there's there's some common things, and this is. Um... You know, the image of Ganesh sometimes is seen as the, the body of a little boy and the head in a, of an elephant. And the way I interpret that, you can interpret that in many ways, but it's that, you know, Ganesh is the remover of obstacles, is always invoked at the beginning of something. So when you're starting something, um, you want all the, the beginner's mind of a little boy and as much wisdom like an elephant that you can accumulate. You know, so one, one of the things is that I've, I've been through, um, you know, I've been through this on my own. Um, you know, for, for many years, uh, and also have worked with a, a number of students. And, and how do you work with a band is a really big question. How do you build a community of musicians? What happens when you're going to the next level, but the musicians that you have aren't? Mm -hmm. Have a different perception of how they want things to be. What does it mean to be a leader inside of that? How, how consensual can you be? And when do you have to say, you know, I'm holding the promise for the quality of this kirtan, and um, this is how it's going to have to be. Yeah, And these are all really interesting human dynamics that get played out, oftentimes a lot of passion, <laughs> you could say.
it, 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 there's a lot more to it than just picking up a harmonium and um, although you can certainly do it that way and and I keep encouraging people there are um, there are podcasts called let's sing Kirtan uh, from the New World Kirtan podcast and they're they're aimed for people who would like to just start a Kirtan band or just have a gathering in their home where people can just come and maybe sing um, and it's the charts that we use in our band you know and uh, with the songs with the chants so that people can hear them and then play and um, it's perfectly possible to build a Kirtan community in your living room with just a few people who, who'd like to sing we did that well we sang to CDs for years, um, which is how the podcast started. But you know, I mean, live kirtan is a whole different is a whole different dynamic. Yeah, well, I could say I kind of started in, in my living room with uh, with this yoga teacher or in her classes. I mean, you just have to start somewhere, and that's where having some guidance is useful. Matter of fact, uh, you mentioned um, our friend Ragini, and when I, uh, you know, what happened was I, I played I, I played with this uh, yoga teacher and her husband for a while, and then I moved away and. Things kind of fell apart, and I, I really missed Kirtan, and I felt like it was something super important to me. I felt this aliveness around it and inside of it, and wanted more, and didn't know how to do it. And I thought, well, what, you know, I wonder if I could lead Kirtan. It hadn't really occurred to me. So I started, and um, I went, wow, I got a lot of great response. So I just said, okay, I'll do this in, you know, in my community. And um, when I when I started, it was quite small, and we were figuring out what we were doing, but. Uh, I had a teacher at the time, a guy named Richard Strozzi Heckler, and I was studying at his Strozzi Institute, which was, was a phenomenal, phenomenal school in California, um, where what they were teaching is uh, called somatic coaching. Somatic meaning learning from the body up rather than the head down, and embodied leadership. And Richard said something uh, to the effect of, when you begin something new, the most valuable thing you can have is a mentor, someone who's already been successful doing what you would like to do. So I, you know, had that in my mind and uh, someone mentioned me Ragini and I took a listen and I heard that she was having these tremendously large, you know, several hundred person kirtan events and I thought, I'm going to call her up. So I called her up. I kind of didn't expect that she'd answer the phone and she did. <laughs> hey, well, this is a... 2006, a while ago, and I said to her, you know, hey, you know, I, I'm looking to start something like what you have. Can I pick your brain? She said, yeah. And I actually, on my own dime, uh, traveled up to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and checked out what she was doing and took notes on the whole thing. And I said, great, here's someone who's built a community in, you know, same size town as I was in, Columbus, Ohio. And they're going to save me a lot of headaches and a lot of time. And she did. You know, and we went from uh, 20 people to 120 people in about a year. Wow. So having someone that can, um, you know, guide you and direct you and, and say, uh, you know, might be smart to do it this way. You might want to take on this practice. Here are different things to consider. You're moving to this next level. Here's what you're going to have to build skill-wise. And uh, it's, that's very helpful. That's that's really great. And... and um... It's funny, I had a similar experience with her because she she was one of the first people I called when I was thinking about doing a podcast, and I didn't expect her to answer the phone. <laughs> She's just hanging around with the phone, I guess. I guess she is. <laughs> She's what? just very, you know, she's so 
easy. She's so easy and open. And, and she is the kind of person who just picks up the phone, even if she doesn't know who's on the other end. And it was great because we made this connection. And she, her, her CD, Kirtan CD, was the first one I ever bought. Mm. Year, years and years, long time ago, a long time ago. But, um, but yeah, she has done something really remarkable there. Um, built mm. that community from scratch, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got some phenomenal musicians that have been with her for a long time. And I, I joke when I say she's someone who just answers the phone because I also know all the things that she's up to, and she's quite prodigious in her output mm. and, and her interests. So it's must be for you know a beautiful serendipity that she answered when both you and I called. Yes, yes. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. I'm always really grateful for that. many others who found Kirtan and went, wow, like, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is fun. Um, this is different, you know, but you're right on the money that the thing, you know, there's a way I talk about what Kirtan is and Bhakti Yoga, and I talk about what yoga is, and I think that this is really important, is that um, we live in a dualistic world, so there's always a polarity. There's always, if there's left, there's right. If there's up, there's down. If there's front, there's back. And, and what yoga is really about is how do we integrate those polarities. So yoga means yoke. So you do an asana class and you work both sides of your body, the front, the back, the top, and the bottom. There's an intention to connect or yoke two things that seem separate, the body and the mind, or the body and the breath. And, and, and we do all these things. And in kirtan and bhakti yoga, we're looking to do the same thing, to connect two things that seem separate but aren't, our heart and the heart of the divine. And and so this this notion of how do we connect two things that seem separate but but aren't is really important in, in kirtan in so many ways. So it's it's simultaneously a performance and a practice. You know? It's both it's both things. So you want it to be as high level musically and have the band 
invite the participants into the most powerful experience. And on the other hand, you can't get too, too, too wrapped up in the fact that it's a performance because really what you're doing is a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And there's so many of these polarities where there's an integration of, of, of the band and the audience. So, you know, um, and it, it, you know, you go to a concert hall and there's the band and you're in the audience and you're watching and listening, but you come to a kirtan and, and, and the audience is part of the band. So that's integrated. You know, and, and there's all these different um, powerful things that happen when we integrate a polarity. It doesn't just um, give us half of each side, it creates something new. It's, it's kind of a dynamic thing. In Western philosophy, it was uh, Hegel, I believe, who first said, talked about thesis, antithesis, and higher order synthesis. So if you can really bring together the two sides of the polarity, you can create something something greater. And that is uh, really what Dr. Treya is all about. If you look on the cover of my Soul Contact CD, there's this uh, image of the deity Dattatreya, who is uh, has three heads simultaneously. Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva is androgynous, is simultaneously male and female, masculine, feminine, and um, is is pictured with the sacred cow, which is uh, spiritual and divine, and the four dogs, which are seen as um, you know material or or low and, um, or profaning. So Dattatreya, you know, there's even more polarities exhibited there, um, human and divine, human and nature, but Dattatreya is this notion of um, what are the biggest polarities, the biggest contexts we're living in that are so large we don't even recognize them and how do, how do we work with them? So Kirtan's beautiful because you have masculine and feminine, you have, um, you know, Sita and Ram, you have masculine energies, feminine energies, Shiva and Shakti. There's all sorts of amazing, amazing things going on in Kirtan, and it's an incredibly, like you're saying, it's an incredibly complex practice. There's so many things to pay attention to at the same time. So that is a whole practice in and of itself. You know, how do we do that? But it's opened up a whole new window into my own practice doing it. And But as Krishna Das says, when you really reduce it down to the very basic element, it's just you and your voice. You're just singing. And when your mind wanders, you just bring it back. And that's the essence of the practice. You sing the chant, and when your mind wanders, you bring it back. Um, and starting from that baseline, <laughs> there are all kinds of places you can go. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, uh, this gal named Amy Dewhurst who created a, created a book. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It was this very hip book. And there's a famous saying from Shirdi Sai Baba. And Shirdi Sai Baba and Jesus were seen as the two greatest Dattatreya incarnations 
in the last 2,000 years and within my lineage. And she had a quote from Shirdi Sababa, which is Shraddha and Saburi, and sometimes that's translated as faith and patience. Or my, my guru, Swami Kaleshwar, talked about as practice and patience. And the idea being that, you know, if you're doing the right practices and you have faith, you faithfully practice them, um, over time you're going to get there. And now Krishnadas interprets Shraddha and Saburi as gradually but inevitably. You know, and I think there's something about Kirtan where this gradually but inevitably really um, is at play. It's like we do this practice and who knows why we do it. We like it, it feels good, it's fun, it's this, it's that, and the other thing. But gradually but inevitably, <laughs> it's some really powerful impact on, on who we are. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that's been the most uh, fun and rewarding for me with Kirtan is that, uh, you know, when I work with some folks over a couple of years, gradually but inevitably, um, who, they're, who they are, who they're being, becomes much bigger. It becomes much bigger in the um, spiritual sense and in terms of what they can do in kirtan, but also becomes much bigger in terms of their personality, becomes stronger. And it's only through a strong personality that all this uh, good spiritual stuff can flow without there being lots and lots of problems. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's an amazing practice. Leading kirtan to me is, is even a more amazing practice than chanting, you know, if, if being a participant. Um, so being involved in a group or a band is just, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. So what are you going to be doing with the Dattatreya Kirtan Institute? Are you going to be pushing it out and telling people about it and letting people know that this is something that's available for young Kirtan leaders? Yeah, I am just now, just, just now, um, just this summer. I uh, just recently revamped my website. I've started blogging. I've gotten on Twitter. Um, and uh, I'm, uh, I wanted to keep things quiet until I built up a track record and really worked with a lot of people and got a sense of, of what, to work, be, what, what works because, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing at Dr. Trey Kirtan Institute isn't um, teaching people harmonium. Sometimes they'll say, oh, can you teach me harmonium? I say, well, I'm not a harmonium teacher. What I do is I'm training Kirtan leaders. Mm-hmm. To me, that means we're going to work in every aspect of leading kirtan. And leading kirtan is a complex practice. You're singing, you're playing the harmonium, and, and right there, that, that's a lot, right? right. You, you're, you're leading a band, so you've got other musicians. So there's a whole component of conversation, but also how do you build alignment and connection with your band? Because you know how you get those things where the bands speed up and they slow down, they double time and they half time, and it feels like it's one unit. And how do you... How do you do that? That is actually a very um, important place to, to work. And a lot of folks learn how to play kirtan on the harmonium in a very rudimentary way. They play the notes on the instrument and they sing along with that, which is great. And it kind of boxes people in. So I've worked with a number of people who showed up like that and really taught them in a, in a very gentle and pragmatic way how to work with chords, western chords, in, in eastern scales. Indian scales, so that they really understand that and really are able to use that to build mood and, and, and emotion and energy through their kirtan, playing of the harmonium and their singing. And then eventually that turns into them writing their own chants. And that's when it gets like really, really juicy for me. Oh, um, wow. I bet. I have uh, three students I've been working with for, for a couple of years. And I, I mentioned Steph Schwartz in uh, Colorado, and she recently started, um, she's been doing a lot with Kirtan in her yoga classes, she's a popular yoga class there, yoga teacher, 
she'd been doing a lot in her classes, but she wanted to bring it out in the community. So she put together a band, and, and their their first event they had 100 people, and um, which is quite a nice turnout. And she's been um, writing her own chants, which has been an incredible uh, experience for her, because some of these chants that she's writing are connecting with experiences or music that uh, you know go back to when she was in her teenage years. Hmm. And so there's a way that. When I work with folks, um, I'm not saying you have to do it this way or sound this way. I'm saying let's figure out how you can learn enough of this so that more of you can come through what you're doing, and let's help you be as strong and full a human being or a self, we could say, um, as possible, so that something bigger can flow through you. So we're working in leadership, energetic, spirituality, musicianship, community building, chant writing, harmonium singing. There's lots of elements to this. Um, another student of mine, a guy named Tim Jordan, is out in uh, L.A., and he's been very quietly building a, an amazing kirtan scene out there. And he's someone who uh, I met two years ago, started working with. He had gone to Jayutal's kirtan camp, loved it, but also felt frustrated because there wasn't much instruction on how to lead kirtan, mm. a lot of great experiences. And we started working together, and he was another guy that I was like, this is a C major chord. He was like, what? <laughs> and he has been um, writing his own chants. And what's coming through him is, is fabulous. He, he is the son of a, he's a, uh, son of a preacher um, from Mississippi, and he's, he was gay. And so he had this tremendous um, love and devotion of music, and he actually played music, um, uh, played organ as a, young, as a young boy. But there was this big conflict of how can you be gay and love God and be in, be in the church and be religious and music and spirituality and devotion and where does it all go? And uh, it was decades of sort of working through that until he really got um, locked in with Kirtan. And so he has been writing these phenomenal chants that are um, bringing forward the, the, the energy of, of the Southern Church, you know, Southern churches through the Kirtan. The stuff he's writing is fabulous. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And now he, similar to what you're saying about Dave Stringer playing in bars, Tim is this ambassador uh, into other communities of bringing kirtan in the world and helping people reconnect with their devotion. So he just did uh, a big workshop for the uh, LA Gay Healer Circle where he introduced them to kirtan and shared why, as a gay man, this was important to him. And he has uh, was just in a church the other day, and he goes to Mississippi and Alabama on work and leads Kirtan there, which is a whole other, you know, whole other kind of community. So he's he's doing some incredible stuff.
in the whole Kirtan world, but it strikes me that Krishnadas is someone that's contributed tremendously to, um, uh, you know, inviting people into the practice of Kirtan. So sometimes people say uh, invention is creating something new, but innovation is getting people to use it. Hmm. At Krishnadas, I have incredible respect for him because I would say he's an innovator in the sense that he took whatever his experiences were with his guru, with his India experiences, with his travels. He took his musical background. He created something, and he's gone around the world for you know literally a couple of decades now, um, inviting people into the practice of kirtan. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's amazing. That's phenomenal. Das uh, includes both sides of the polarity when you know when when he's talking. So he is bringing this incredible, inviting people into an incredible joy, but he's not afraid to share his incredible sorrow mm. and suffering. You know, and and um, so I appreciate that about him. I love that I can hear that in his voice, and and that's what I was talking about with like the voice is the mirror. Um, because it's not all sweetness and light with him. You just jump on board, and it takes you where it takes you, that chant with his voice, for me. Um, but I can I can hear the sorrow and, and the disillusionment and all the stuff that he talks about, you know, that chanting has helped him to transcend. And it helps you to think that maybe it will help you transcend it for you too. And maybe that's a lot of the appeal it, it it's that we we all have troubles in our lives um what do you do mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. for some of us we chant because mm-hmm. it helps a lot yeah 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 you know and i i um i've been teaching these workshops on the enneagram which is this incredible personality type system that has deep psychological and spiritual roots and at the beginning of every workshop, we chant, and I say, you know, you're going to learn a lot about your personality in the next four hours or three hours or whatever. Um, you're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about others. You're going to learn about your relationships. It's going to be really useful for you to get a sense of 
who you are and who are the other people in your life and how you're the same and how you're different, all that good stuff. I said, but first, let's chant because we'll get a little bit of a vacation from our personality. <laughs> we'll get a little bit of a sense of there's something bigger. We'll get a little distance from it, you know, which is really, really, really helpful, I think. It is really helpful. I was I was just reading an article on in the Boston Globe about meditation, and um, you know how how everybody is recommending that people meditate because it's just so good for I mean corporations, and people are finding it impossible, just impossible to settle down and 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 just sit. the The thought of it is um, they just can't even imagine doing it, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, Kirtan is an is an very excellent on ramp for that. I think you know because you can just kind of get involved in the music, whatever. I mean, there's music to suit just about everybody. Um, just play it, you know, and the chants just work magic no matter what. I agree, and they're so dutiful. They're so dutiful. They just do it so consistently. And you know, one of the things that I that I teach in my Enneagram classes and in everything that I teach is that ordinarily we're walking around and we're, we're dissociated from our bodies. We're not connected with our bodies. And as a result, our hearts are shut down and our heads are going crazy. And that's sort of the, the cultural level that we're invited into, you know, all the language, what are you thinking? And we need some new thinking around here. We're going to think out of the box and we have a very head oriented society. And what I found with Kirtan is that it um, immediately brings us to a place where we're connected with our body. And when that happens, our heads settle down become calm and become receptive so something useful can actually show up and our hearts become open and active and yang and extending into the world and generally what happens is when we're in that place we go oh wow finally i feel good and what arises is this feeling of um gratitude like wow life's pretty good and look at all these cool people around me and i'm in this beautiful space and you know i'm just grateful to be here to me, that's like miraculous, <laughs> and to have to have something that that does it so easily um, and quiets the mind and opens the heart and connects us to their body and gives us that feeling of of gratitude rather than frustration. Because there are a lot of cultural influences that um, I think generate frustration that we're we're swimming in every day. To have that is amazing. I was looking at the schedule for uh, for Midwest Bhakti Fest, and you're on 5:30 in the afternoon, right before Ragini. On Friday, yeah. Yeah, on Friday. 
on Friday. Yeah. Well, we'll be in on Thursday. So um, really looking forward to seeing you and just experiencing the sweetness of that Midwest gathering again. And uh, I haven't experienced any Midwest humidity in a year. It, it'll be kind of interesting. <laughs> it showed up. <laughs> and lightning bugs and things like that. So um, it was great to talk to you. And um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you, ne- well, next month. Oh, my God.